Hey, 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 guys. It's another Sunday night, so you know what that means. It is time for another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Dalvina Thomas, a board-certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Tonight, I'm talking about parent-child relationships, and specifically, Monique. And I know some folks may be saying, why are you guys getting in her business, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's been all over the internet, all over social media. And so we can't help but to see it. And I think we should talk about it because there may be other people going through the same situation. And as a board certified psychiatrist, I have an opinion about it. I hesitate to say a professional opinion because Lord knows I ain't trying to be caught up in no kind of lawsuit of defaming somebody. <laughs> so I have a I have an opinion. And I have someone on the couch with me as well. Hey, Coach Z. Hello, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for being on the couch tonight. Are you ready to take the couch? I am. Let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's uh let's do this. And before we before we go on, I want folks to know um, a little bit about Coach C. Coach C, if you could just give the the listeners a brief overview about who you are, and um, and I can say why I selected you to to talk about this. I did see something that you commented on um, on Instagram. You made a comment regarding uh, her husband, Daddy, and we'll get into that. But tell folks who is Coach Z. Okay. Hi, guys. My name is um, Zakia, and I am a certified life coach. I'm also a high school teacher. I'm an author. uh, I'm a mental health advocate, and um, I'm specifically a life coach for women who have dealt with trauma. So um, I do a lot with also young teenage girls. I mentor teenage girls. And yeah, that's uh, that's the short version of it all. I'm also a survivor of a, of trauma within myself. So, yeah. So, yeah, for all of those reasons, this is why I asked Coach Z to take the couch, not just because of the comment that I saw on Instagram, but, um, you know, I know a little bit about her, her history and the fact that she is a mentor for, um, for students. Um, you mentor boys and girls, right? Not just young ladies. I do. Coach I Z. do. Mainly. Mainly, so it's been, over the years. It's been mainly girls. For the last couple of years, it has been girls and boys. So yeah, just teenagers in general. Yeah, and so and and Coach Z is a mother, as I am, and so and not to say that we are the best to um, to give a summation on what our thoughts are regarding the situation with Monique and her and her son, um, because really anyone is qualified to have an opinion about anything but sometimes people may regard it better if it comes from someone who seems to be walking in the same shoes as the person in the scenario now I've seen in uh, certain in a couple of places that people make comments such as if you're not a parent you shouldn't have an opinion about this and I I'll say that I disagree with that because we're all adults and as adults we have been children We have been sitting in the seat of a child. So we can have an experience which creates the foundation of an opinion 
Did I go out a little bit, Coach? No, I heard you. Okay. All right. We can have an opinion that's based on the foundation that we created. Um, being children and growing up in our, our family's households, whether it was your parents, grandparents, or um, an aunt, uncle, whomever, or a guardian. And some people were raised in foster care, but we should allow anyone to have an opinion regarding the situation. And obviously all of us have opinions based on limited information because we are not in the life of Monique or her son. So um, let's get started with this. I posed a question on Instagram. I uh, posed that question today, this morning. And I said, is there anything that your child could do that would make you sever or cut off all communication ties with your, your child? Definitely. What says you coach? Um, I, I'm going to have, I'm going to have to say no. And you know what? I had this conversation before with somebody, someone else that, uh, that severed ties with their, with one of their children for something that he did that was violent and he thought it was unnecessary. And um, so I can I can safely say the answer to that is no. I, I believe as a parent, we bring our, our kids into this world and a lot of who they are are based on who we were as as um, as parents. And so cutting them off totally without trying to at least see what we you know, what we can do to fix it. Like, I feel like I'm just going to fight for mine. And I may feel that way because I'm also a. A, a child who grew up without a father and I always thought he should fight for me. And so I, that that may totally play a part in in my decision about that. But I don't think there is a reason at all that anybody could keep me from talking to my child. I don't. Yeah. Yep. And thank you for including that personal reference um, about your father, because that is helpful. Um and I can say as someone who grew up with both parents in the household um, and watching my parents and my father maneuver and watching my aunts and uncles maneuver with my cousins and seeing my grand my grandmother, um, my father's parents died. Well, his mother died before I was born and his father died when I was like three or four years old. So I never knew my paternal grandparents, but my maternal grandparents watching how they maneuver with their children. What I was taught is that you don't cut off communication. You continue to communicate with your child, regardless of the challenges that they present to you. And you just right. meet them where they are. Right. You, you right. meet them That's where they are. That's what I saw with are. my grandmother as well. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. And, and I saw it work too. I yeah. should say that. I saw it work. Yeah. And we're not saying that you're condoning their behavior, but you are still being, you're still there for them as a parent. Uh, you right. know, I told someone recently, we have to love our children through situations. Um, and, and that's the truth. And I think any, any relationship is grounded, well-grounded in love, love, admiration, and respect. Those are the three things, at least these three things that are needed to really ground a relationship. And when you have that, it's very difficult for a child to, to disobey, to disregard you completely. Now, obviously they do do it because there is such a thing as evil, as mental health challenges. And sometimes these right. things will come along and interfere with the grass you're growing. You know, you could 
uh, you could lay the seeds and water and tolling out and all these things. Um, I'm sorry, so and all these things and something will come along in their life and still interrupt the process that you're trying to create. But in my view, by giving up on the relationship, it's almost like you saying God cannot overcome the right. challenge that you and your child has in your life. And Absolutely. so by maintaining that communication, keeping that love, that's in prayer and praying for the relationship. That's you saying to God, Lord, fix this. In the name of Jesus, fix what is happening here. Um, Coach, just a, a one moment. I just want to say a couple of things about Monique. So okay. Monique is in her, uh, she's in her 50s. She was born in Woodlawn, Maryland. Many people probably have not heard of Woodlawn. Maybe you have to be from Maryland, from Hartford County, Baltimore County, Baltimore City to know Woodlawn. I used to, I've hung out in Woodlawn. I dated someone. We used to go to Woodlawn a whole lot. So she was born in Woodlawn. She is the daughter of her mother was an engineer, Alice, and her father was a drug counselor. It really doesn't say much about whether or not the parents are still together and what that childhood was like, with the exception of mentioning that one of her brothers sexually abused her for years. I want to say for about four years, four to five years, she was sexually abused by one of her brothers. She uh, still managed to graduate high school. She attended Morgan State University. I don't know if she graduated, but she also, uh, she eventually became a graduate of the Broadcasting Institute of Maryland. Um, Monique worked in a regular job. She was in customer service at MCI in Hunt Valley. Everybody, do you guys remember the phone company MCI? I do. Um, and then she got started in comedy at the Baltimore Comedy Factory outlet when one of her brothers dared her to perform at open mic night. So um, this was not the brother who sexually abused her. This was her brother, Steve. Her brother, Gerald, is the person who's documented as sexually abusing her from ages seven to 11. This was actually shared in Essence in an Essence Magazine interview. And then that brother would go on the Oprah show and admit that he sexually abused her over several years. So this was in April, 2010. Monique did cut off all contact with Gerald. She cut off all contact with him. So, uh, you know, cutting off contact with someone who sexually abused you, I can understand that. I can right. definitely understand that, but cutting off, contact with your your child, I don't understand. Uh, now, before I go on, I'll say that this brother, Gerald, also stated that he was abused by family members and struggled with substance abuse. And Coach, you and I know that oftentimes hurt people hurt people. Absolutely. And a lot of Absolutely. times folks who have been abused, it is, it, it's a, a reaction to something that happened in their life. Or we could say, Something that didn't happen, something that didn't happen, like security, protection, someone keeping them from being abused. And very quickly, just a couple of things about Monique. 
um, about her, her professional career. She was on the Parkers from 1999 to 2004. She was featured on um, leading stand-up venues such as Showtime at the Apollo, Russell Simmons Stuff Comedy Jam, Thank God You're Here. Um, let's see. She also played a significant role in Tony Scott's thriller Domino, which co-starred Mickey Rourke. She was in um, a movie, a comedy called Fat Girls that was in 2006. And she was also in the Vagina Monologues in 2002. And she played a small part in What's Love Got to Do With It. And she was also on the Steve Harvey show and in the game at some point. Um, she was named the hostess of Showtime at the Apollo. She was the hostess and executive producer of Monique's Fat Chance, which is a beauty pageant for plus size women that was on the Oxygen Cable Network. She hosted the first season of Flavor of Love Girls, Charm School on VH1. And she had a documentary called Could Have Been Your Cellmate, which focused on incarcerated women. She would interview incarcerated women and... Um, she created a, a documentary from that. She also started the Monique show, which was her own late night talk show that was taped in Atlanta and premiered on BET in 2009. Everyone is aware of her uh, challenges with, uh, with Netflix, but apparently that was actually settled. She sued Netflix and it was settled in 2022. So during these, uh, let's see, during her, her professional career, she managed to get married three times. Um, she was married to two other men, and she is now married to Sydney Hicks. Uh, she conceived a set of twins with him in October 2005, or gave birth to those twins, I should say, in October 2005, and they got married in 2006. The son, who she is no longer speaking to, is a son from her marriage with sports writer Calvin Watkins, who she met in broadcasting school. They had a son together by the name of Shalon or Shalon Watkins. And this is the son who posted his response to Monique's interview on Club Shay Shay. Hmm. So that's just a quick overview, Coach. Okay. Now, what I left yeah. out is that Sydney Hicks, a.k.a. Daddy, she calls Sydney yeah. Hicks Daddy. <laughs> That's so interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. So before we get to Daddy, let's talk about should a parent cut off ties completely with their child? You said no already. Yeah, I disagree. Do, do you care to elaborate as to why you would say no to that or why you would, let's say you have a client and you're assisting them with their relationship with their, their child. It sounds like you would encourage them to try to save the relationship, at least to try to keep the lines of communication open. So like I said, I, I firmly believe that, you know, we, when we grow up, a lot of who we are, is based on um, our upbringing, our parents, who they were to us, what they did, what they taught us, um, 
what we have learned from them, how they loved us. And so before totally cutting somebody off, I would definitely do the work for myself to make sure I have done what I needed to do. And there's no no parent guide. Like we're going to make mistakes. To, to date, I, I talk to my daughter sometimes about the fact that I, I feel like I've made some mistakes with her. Um, but I know as you get older, it's your responsibility now to to be who you need to be. I know, you know, now we, we can say all we can say all day long where they're they're grown now. They know what they do. But a lot of who they are is based on on who we were to them. And so I do believe that at least um, your your child should always feel comfortable being able to come with come to you. Like if you cannot be your child's safe space, then 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 who will be? You, that's when you open up the door for a, a quote unquote daddy to come in and and take a take the place that that can be that you that who knows if they really care about you, you know. And so I I I being a a mentor I have I have found that uh, kids are looking for safe spaces to communicate, safe spaces to grow, safe spaces to make mistakes safe spaces to just be and in this world that of chaos today if that can't be our parents then then what are we doing even even if they've done something I don't agree with why don't they feel safe talking to me I am the one that birthed them into this world uh, my daughter just had a, a, um, a baby and um we were putting together some some furniture and we made a whole bunch of noise and it crashed and he started screaming and um, I I told my um I told his grandfather I said get him I said he he scared you scared him it was a sudden noise I said he wants to know that he's safe you you just scared him so even as uh -huh. babies we need to make them feel safe why does that change just because they're adults right. but why does that change because they're older why uh huh yeah yeah and you know I tell parents all the time parents who are my patients and they're like, I just want to cut my son off completely. I don't want to talk to him anymore. He's done this. He's done that. He doesn't listen. And I say, are you culpable? Are you responsible for these behaviors? What did you teach him when you look back on it? What didn't you teach him when you look back on things? You know, a 17, a 16, 17, 18 year old doesn't just act out and begin to disobey for no reason at all. There's a lot of things going through childhood that leads to these behaviors. You have to raise the child. You have to help them create the behaviors you want to see. They can't do it on their own. And to your exactly. point, Coach Z, mm -hmm. and to your point, we are creating, we are creating human beings. We are creating mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. We we are making these folks. We are creating these 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 human beings that we birth because they mm -hmm. have no direction. You know, imagine when you were a kid, two years old, three years old, seven years old, nine, 10, 11, 12, how up until pre-adolescence or pre-teens, we look to our parents to guide and direct us and to love us mm -hmm. and for that mm -hmm. security. And when those things are missing because you're not able to provide it, a lot of things will go wrong and things happen 
such as personality quirks and personality disorders can be an end result or just maladaptive ways of coping. This is why a lot of times kids will cut and engage in self-harm because they've never known security. They've never known love consistently. And so this thing that's going on between Monique and her, her oldest son, Monique is culpable for this. She created the situation. And for her to tell him, when you're ready, what does she say when you're ready? Right. I'll be here. I'll be here when you're ready. Mm -hmm. I'll be here when you're ready. (laughs) Now, they are both adults. She is the adult. She is the mama. Mm -hmm. You are managing Mm -hmm. this relationship, Monique. If I Mm -hmm. were talking to her, you, this is your seed. You birthed him. You taught him. He Mm -hmm. is a result of all the things you did and what you didn't do. Mm -hmm. Take responsibility for the relationship. Absolutely. Show him, guide him. Absolutely. There's a a couple of things that seem, and and this is not um, anything, let's see, I am not making these things up. I'm reading this. I'm reading this online about Monique. So I am not making up anything. I am not speaking against her name. I am not defaming her. But we know that Monique has had some grievances in the entertainment world. Um, She and Oprah Winfrey and Tyler Perry had a huge disagreement because Monique would not go out and promote the film Precious, for which she was paid $50,000 to do, to play the role. She was in um, an independent drama Precious, which which was directed by Lee Daniels. Now, since that situation, she and Lee Daniels have reconciled. Apparently, they have actually done a project together that included daddy. <laughs> this project included Monique. Say, say you that know, I again. wonder how many people know. Did you see? Because, you know, I don't think many people know that. I saw that. I read that. Yeah. But I mm-hmm. don't know if it's actually released, if it's available for us to view this thing. It's called no. uh, it's called The Reading. Yeah. So I, I saw it. Yeah. I watched oh, you, it. You watched it? Yeah, I watched it. It was a it, it was a it came out last year. It was called a reading, but I don't what what I what, when I read up on it, what was interesting is that he's on there as an ex- executive producer. Uh-huh. He's not actually in it. He's on there as uh-huh. a as an executive producer. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was interesting. Yeah, so the reading was executive produced by Lee Daniels. He also co-edited the final version with Monique and her husband Sydney Hicks. Mm-hmm. This was yes. the first time Monique and Daniels have collaborated on a project since Precious. So how, you know, I guess someone would say, hey, she want to make sure her man eats too. So she gave daddy executive producer credit. Yeah. Or she and Lee gave mm-hmm. him executive director credit. Now, what I can say is I dislike that daddy 
sat with her and had a response to Monique and her son's communication issues. I don't think Mm -hmm. he should have had anything to say. Or it should have been limited. Now, someone will say, well, he's the stepfather. He deserves to speak. He should have a chance to, um, to give his opinion. But I feel like as a stepfather, he should be saying to Monique, hey, end this shit. Get this right. Make this right with your son. To make it right doesn't mean you got to give money or give him a paid position or anything like that, but make it right as opposed to you upholding this behavior. That's what I saw him endorsing her behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the same man that she has described. They have an open relationship. And the New York Times... In a New York Times profile, Monique mentioned that she and Hicks have an open marriage, is how it was described. Now, she had, she experienced an abusive relationship with her son, Shaylon. This is the young man we're talking about. She experienced an abusive relationship with Shaylon, his father, Calvin Watkins. And then she married a barber by the name of Mark Jackson. They were married for four years. And then again, as I mentioned, she married the father of her twins, Sydney Hicks, in 2006. So those twins were born in 2005. So they are 18. They are over the age of 18. It would be interesting. But see, I, I wanted to say it would be interesting to learn her parenting style with the twins. But I would assume that because Monique was living a life of hurt, when she was raising Shalon, because remember, this is during the time that she was hiding that she was sexually abused right. by the brother. She right. was trying to get into the comedic space. She was working on her career. She was in an abusive relationship with his father, Calvin Watkins, which at times the abusive relationship creates a problematic relationship with the children of the abuser, especially if the child mimics or seems to remind the abused of the abuser, the person who's abusing Mm -hmm. them. If there's certain characteristics of their personality, how they look, how they walk, how they talk, if it reminds you of the abuser, it can create a big challenge in trying to love the child and see the child as a separate individual. And Monique, for me, comes across as very unrefined. So I'm not, I'm not assuming that during this process that she was seeking psychotherapy, that she was talking to someone, maybe she was, but I'm going to guess that she was not. And she didn't know what yeah. to do with all this emotional turmoil. I'm going to say even based on how they spoke about the son's mental health, on that um, Instagram live that they have, they, they're not uh, burst in, in, in therapy or mental health or any of that. And um, one of the things that I believe, honestly, and I've, this is probably my first time saying this out loud. Um, while I am a, just real honestly, a little bit sick of the whole situation and kind of, you know, just over it and wants her to be done. I also, 
think she's a victim and don't even know it um, uh, uh, because of all of the trauma she's dealt with. I believe she has a lot of unresolved trauma that has that that has um, dictated her moves in in her life. I believe it's the reason why Sydney exists. It is the reason why she has not been able to be a, a good mother. But but she comes off as again something I have a lot of a lot of knowledge in that whole strong black woman thing until it makes it appear that she has it all together. And in my humble opinion, she does not and don't and and does not really know that she don't. And I think that's sad because um, there she's she's not the only one that there's a lot of us out there like that. And so I think she's a victim. Even with Sydney, I think she's a victim. I think she you know, she's still she 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 has never healed from all of the things that she went through as a child. And until she does, yes, it's her responsibility, but it drives her decision making process. It drives the way she thinks. Um, everything she talks about, it's they did this to me and they did this to me and and they did this to me and and why didn't they act this way and they should have done this and and why didn't you act this way and why didn't you do this and and they should have responded to me this way. Oh, I, I lost yeah. all of this money because of Tyler Perry. So you you gave somebody that much power over your life for that many years. Not okay. you you didn't have you there was nothing in you that could have fought for yourself. There was nothing in you that could have that could have pushed back. Not to Tyler Perry in general, but but just in the industry. So there was nothing in you that that said, no, I'm Monique. I don't have to be at the bottom. I don't have to be seen as this. I I don't have to be, you, you, you understand? Like, how do you give somebody that much power over you for so long to say that you, he owes you this amount of money for all the years you didn't work? That's, mm. that is a, that is a poor mentality uh, to, to walk around with and believe that and to really believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And when I analyze what's on paper, you know, because I, I haven't seen anything and nor did I go searching specifically for information about her parents. But the father was a drug counselor and anyone in the field of mental health knows that people who become drug counselors were typically abusers themselves. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, I would say probably 85, 90% of people who become drug counselors, it's because they were once abusing drugs and or alcohol. Mm -hmm. And they go into, they take on this role because they're able to speak from living that life. They're able to identify with the folks they're helping because of the life that they once led. Again, I'm speaking in general. I am not speaking specifically right. about her father, who was listed as being a drug counselor, but being a mental health professional and working with, or pardon me, working with substance abuse counselors for many years during my career and during my training, all of the drug counselors I've come across were drug counselors because they are recovered addicts. So if that were to be true in this situation, 
then you can kind of put the pieces together. Because it makes me wonder, how does your brother abuse you for four years and no one in the household knows about it? Or maybe, maybe the other siblings knew and didn't speak up. But the fact that they all didn't feel safe in speaking up or didn't feel the need to speak up, something is wrong with that. Right. Like if I'm being abused in my household, I was always raised to be outspoken. And I crave security and safety, and that's what I got in the home. So, and and don't get me wrong, this has happened to a lot of children, especially black black girls and boys, where someone is abusing them. And a lot of times they're being abused because something is not in place, something is not there, security is not there, safety is not there, someone's not paying attention, someone's out of the home a lot. Someone's working a lot. Maybe the living situation is not a safe, healthy living situation. And these are the things that create the opportunity for folks to prey on our children. So it can be any of these things and speculating, but it makes me wonder too, what kind of communication did she have with her mother that she have with her father? What type of communication does she witness in the home? Because a lot of what we learn initially is based on what we see during our childhood. It's based on what we see growing up. Now, I I want to elaborate on the open marriage with, with daddy. It states here from her New York Times profile, We have an agreement that will always be honest. And if the sex happens with another person, that's not a deal breaker for us. That's not something where we'll have to say, oh, God, we got to go to divorce court because you cheated on me because we don't cheat. She repeated this view later on the Oprah Winfrey show when she said that in her prior marriages, she was constantly searching for that extra mm. Monique explained, when I said I had an open marriage, people automatically jumped to sex. They automatically went there. But I've been best friends with my husband since we were 14 years old. When we say open, we're very honest. There are no secrets. Oftentimes you have people that are married, but they're strangers. And we refuse to be those people. Well, I think they jumped to sex because that's what she said. If sex happens with another person, that's not a deal breaker for us. Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. um, there was a, uh, a 2023 Netflix special, I guess. Is this the special that she did after they settled the lawsuit? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I haven't it seen it yet. But in this April 2023 special, she disclosed that, that she experienced sexual attraction to women, stating she was not, quote, not all the way, quote, a lesbian, but that, quote, when you're born with that, there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Nothing. And please understand that I tried, close quote. I don't get that at all. <laughs> I don't understand this quote because and one part of it, she's saying there's sexual attraction to women. Then she states she's not all the way a lesbian. But then she says, when you're born with it, there's nothing you can do about it. And please understand that I tried. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of misconceptions. Uh-huh. A lot of contra- contradictions here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when someone is hurt 
and they have their own mental health challenges, it's very hard to guide your own children. Mm -hmm. You cannot guide your children from a place of hurt and an unstable mental state of being. And just saying that some of this, some of these things are examples of how I think Monique has a lot, a lot of things to address in a closed session individually with a therapist that excludes daddy. And I don't think that's going to ever happen. And that is the problem. That right there is the problem. If you, it, being in a relationship where you cannot exclude someone for your own personal growth, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Where she can't talk about her 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 son on her own without him being included. Where she feels that daddy has to be the voice of their relationship. Um, where she has given away so much again, given away so much of her power. Um, and I heard, I saw some people on the internet saying, oh, we don't understand. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a man protecting it. That's the real man. Okay. So if you, uh, I understand protection, right. But, but when you, when you feel the need to overshadow your words, you, you have, your words are the, the guiding words of everything. It is, it is your words. And, and, you know, that's a problem. Not not being able like even in even in relationships, you have to be an individual like I have to be myself in order for my relationship to be a healthy one. My mate has to be an individual in order for that relationship to be healthy. Like I don't need anybody to speak for me when I can speak, especially with my child. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't agree with that. And it, it does not mean we don't give him the authority. It does not mean we don't care. It does. You understand? Like, it doesn't mean it doesn't take away from 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 what, you know, this this conception of the man being the head. It doesn't take away from that. It just means that this this was mine to bear from the beginning. And mm -hmm. I need to deal with it. I need your support in helping me deal with it, but I don't need you to deal deal with it for me. I don't not with my son, not with my child. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And with something as sensitive as this, the fact that he is not the father and you're trying to manage this situation with him, I think that just muddies the waters quite a mm -hmm. bit. Mm-hmm looking at it from that young man's perspective and and he and she's already told him that she wasn't ready to be a mother you you understand like she she has over the years explained to him according to her in in interviews that she was not ready to be a mother um and so now you you're still al allowing somebody else to to guide guide our interactions no Mm -hmm. Some things you got to go back and fix <laughs> some things, some things you got to you got to go back to to where where it broke sometimes or, you know, she got to she got to she she because he could possibly somewhere. But I, I don't know. I could be wrong. But just listening to him talk, it feels like he's doing the work. It feels like he mm -hmm. he he didn't he, he even he even said he had no 
no desire to throw his mama under the bus to to make her look bad you know he the the, the things that they did for him he acknowledged he was just he was well spoken he did not it, he wasn't coming from a place of anger he didn't even appear angry as a matter of fact the one time I, I it felt like I I got some emotions from him is addressing how they addressed the mental health issue. And I wholeheartedly understood that because, you know, when you have dealt with any type of mental health and, and somebody brings that up as, as to a reason why you are bitter or a reason why you've done this, that, <laughs> yeah, that brings about a certain level of anger because let's not do that. Let's not, let's not do that. Yeah. And for folks, we are pro- stepdad, stepmother. We believe in the step-parent being involved in the family unit, but certain things have to be managed completely by the person who is intimately involved. And in this situation, Monique is intimately involved with her son. Daddy was not around. Well, you know what he they she said they've known each other since age fourteen. So I'll I'll rescind that statement. I suppose he was around when she when she birthed her son. Mm -hmm. But I still it is still my opinion that uh that her husband Sydney should um he should allow Monique and the son to work it out together and not pass mm -hmm. judgment and not interject extra energy or information because it just complicates things it's it'll be easier for the two of them to work it out without the extra added information coming from the the husband mm -hmm. and he still calls him uncle sydney that's weird and our dad huh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh speaking of dad and daddy we all know that Monique calls Sydney daddy. Now, <clears throat> it doesn't mean when a woman calls her man daddy that she didn't have a father growing up or that there was some incest in the past. It does not mean that. Oftentimes, women will call their significant other because they're regarding them as the dominant person in the relationship. And that's what I get from Monique that mm -hmm. she says that he's in charge. She has mm -hmm. basically, and it seems like he may have had a conversation with her before they decided to get together. And mm -hmm. in that conversation, he said, look, I've known you since you were 14. I've seen you emasculate these men. You're angry. I'm not going to be with a woman that's angry. I'm the man. Mm -hmm. Let me be the man in the relationship. And I, I think he had that conversation with her. You know, I saw her said, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, she I saw her at um, I saw her at the improv some years ago, probably was probably was around the time when she had first got married. And I heard her and I really wish I could um, I, I look for it online because I, I like to I like to, you know, back stuff up. But I heard her talk about their first interactions as as um as um in a relationship moving from friendship and yeah he he absolutely had a hand in in one her losing weight which even her son talks about that which is a good thing uh, I want I don't want to make that sound like a bad thing however it also came 
And when you hear her talk about it, I don't know if it was funny or not, because I remember thinking, hmm, I don't know if it was meant to be comedy. But when you hear her talk about it, it also came as some type, some form of a, I'm not going to want you if you don't do this. You understand? Like, like it also like an came ultimatum. In, absolutely. Like an ultimatum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And so while I do think that, you know, I can attribute some things to him that are good for her. I'm not sure that they came in a, in, in a healthy way, in a very healthy way. And she, she spoke about how he, he told her what he wanted and how this was going to go if they were going to be together. And she, she basically said, okay, you know, she, she wanted that she wanted to be loved. You know, she wanted that um, attention. Mm -hmm. She wanted, she wanted it. Right? And that's why I said mm -hmm. she she's a victim and don't realize it. Like she does not realize that that she has um, seek she has she has sought out these these um, people around her that that um, or specifically him that can control the relationship like that. I guess I, I don't know. It's it's just it's all very odd to me. Even the whole daddy thing. I've I've thought about it. Um, I've thought about it. I've heard her say it. You know, it's become a big thing now. I know that some women do it. I have some friends who call their their mate big daddy, you know, like as a term of endearment. But with her, it just feels very unhealthy. It just feels very um not not it feels like there's something not right about it. Yeah. A lot of women will say daddy because they're signaling their submissiveness in the relationship. And I do believe that he told Monique, like, I ain't going to be fighting with no woman. I ain't going to be arguing with you because you want to be in charge. You must fall back. You need to let me lead the relationship. And, and leading the relationship, that means I also manage your professional career. Mm -hmm. And he is her manager. So mm -hmm. she was willing to take on a submissive role, I believe, because she was looking for love. And when you're looking for love, I think it's because you never knew love as a little girl growing up. That part. Mm -hmm. When your, that part. your father fosters and creates that safety and that environment for you, and he's the first man who loved you and you love him, you really know love. And mm -hmm. you don't look for that in a man. You don't look for that type of love. And a man. And I can say as a girl who had and still has my father, I, I there's no way I would want to call a man daddy. I can show you that you're running the relationship and that I can be submissive without calling you daddy. I'm just not going to call nobody daddy. My daddy is who he is. He birthed me or excuse me, didn't birth, but conceived me with my mother, Darlene. That is my daddy. And so I know people will say, because dads are caring, loving, and protective. Calling your man daddy means that that's what he is for you. But um, I'm just not with it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not with that. Precious her first movie? Say that again. Was Precious, was the, was the that was the name of it, right? Was that her first movie? Uh, it was not the, let me see. It was the first widely acclaimed movie give me two seconds to find it you know why i ask that because i think it's interesting i think this is interesting 
that all of her troubles and all of her um uh the backlash that she got you know her her disruptiveness came mm -hmm. when he became her manager when he you know if we look at it if we look at you know when when monique became this quote unquote problem it all started after marrying him so i'm like you know i'm a I don't, again i'm not saying not stating anything as a fact but when you look at at the roles of of how when when all of this drama started to happen with her it was it was once he became a part of her life and i think was 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 noteworthy here also she has been knowing him since she was young but he mm -hmm. was an aspiring actor as well oh wow 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 didn't right. know that part he and, was an aspiring answer, actor as well mm -hmm. and to answer your question it wasn't the first movie um, she was in the vagina monologues. She was in Tony Scott's thriller Domino. She um, played a significant role in that movie. Um, she had a couple of movies. She was in What's Love Got to Do with It. She was in, um, let's see, uh, Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. That was in 2008. She was in Crazy in Love. Um, I'm sorry, that was more like a video, but she was in Roscoe Jenkins. She had roles in Beer Fest, Three Strikes, Two Can Play the Game, Half Past Dead, mm -hmm. Soul Plane. She voiced a character in Garfield. And yeah, and then of course in 2009, she did Precious. Mm -hmm. Lee Daniels hired her to to do precious. You know, I think this whole acting thing and Hollywood thing is kind of like um at times you have to go through the hazing process. Right. And oh, yeah. I think, you know, they paid her fifty thousand dollars to do the movie and wanted her to travel and promote the movie. And she said, Hell no. Right. I am not and promoting this movie. Right. And and you know there was that there was the there was the interaction between her and Whoopi when Whoopi said to her, you know, look, I could have told you how this goes or whatever, and like we we could we could definitely argue that Monique has a has a, a, a um she has a point, you know, and and to that this is what I've said to people over the years, it, it, what she's saying there may be some truth to it, like everybody said, oh she's telling her truth and it could be, but. So when you are a part of a system, right, and you choose, mm -hmm. you choose to go against everything in that system, that's still, she still chose that. That's, and also, that's also the system that she chose. So you can either choose to be a part of the, 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 um, the entertainment industry, the way it is set up or it has been set up. Or you can choose to be an advocate against it. I personally feel she chose to be an advocate against it. And if you choose that, be okay with your choices. Don't mm -hmm. blame everybody else for you choosing to be an advocate of a system that's been in place forever. You are not the first that they've done that to, which is what Whoopi Goldberg was trying to tell her. And you may be the last due to your fight. But don't be upset because you chose to be an advocate over a comedian. You know, 
she talked about Kevin Hart and how Kevin Hart was saying that he was going to be there for her, support her, da da da. And then Kevin Hart backed out, never talked to her, anything like that. And I made the comment, well, Kevin Hart obviously chose himself. Kevin Hart chose, I want to be a big star over I want to attach myself to somebody who has chosen to be a, a, a advocate against everything that Hollywood has to offer. So mm-hmm. is it is it a matter of right or wrong or is it a matter of this is my choice? Kevin Hart chose to follow the rules of Hollywood. She chose not to. Does that make one wrong or does that make one right? I just believe it. It is a matter of what was chosen. But she also she always sees herself as the victim. But she's not. She is. She chose that. You understand what I'm saying? I do. I do. And I would agree. I agree with you, whether it's right or wrong, whether we agree with the way Hollywood manages things, this is just the way of the world. And when you're trying to get an invite to the party, you have to be the person they want you to be to get that invite. And that's just the way it is, unless you can create your own Hollywood like Tyler Perry has been working to do. But until that time, if you want to be a part of that community, you have to play nice. Right. And And when you don't, Okay. Oh, yeah. And I, I feel that this is, just, again, my opinion, a part of me feels that um, that when she got married, he started to point all of the bad out. And 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 then, you know, rather than her being a part of it, because he was trying to be an actor and did not succeed. You know, I made a comment, too. I believe I believe while she's while she is is looking at everybody as the enemy. I believe she's sleeping with the enemy. My That's my personal opinion. You know, mm. I believe, mm. you know, somebody could be in your face saying they want you to be a big star, but yet and still they're pointing out everything bad about the system that you're trying to be in. Yeah. Yeah, man. And again, people have to go through that hazing process. That's just mm-hmm. the way it is, unless you're going to create your own thing. And I don't think she has the money to create her yeah. own thing. Because if she did, she would have done it by now. We we could we could argue that, even let's, let's, let's look at this. We can argue that Beyonce is going through it with, Gram- with the Grammys. And, and, and Jay-Z said, you just got to keep showing up until they, until they do this or until they do that. You got to just keep showing up until they acknowledge that you are this, until you get the power to control things. Sometimes you just have to be a part of that system until you can't control it. And so exactly. she chose her advocacy in a way where she wanted to speak out against everything rather than kind of sort of you know, uh, uh, being a part of it until she got enough power to say, this is not right. Let me do this. Uh, you know, that's just right. a, an opinion, you know, of mine. And that's just how it feels like this work. And that's why over the years, I've just wanted her to just like stop because Monique, you're, 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 which one are you? Are you, are you, are you, are you doing comedy or are you just an advocate? Cause you know, advocates, advocates speak against everything. And that's what she has done over the years. And so somebody was, uh, I heard somebody say, well, why she didn't just, why Kevin Hart didn't just tell her, look, I can't really deal with you. So she can go on and blast Kevin Hart and say, Kevin Hart told me he was going to do this at night. She don't keep her mouth closed for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said nothing else. I would have just left it alone too. If, if I'm, right. you know, because, because before you know it, I'm plastered all over the news too. 
I would right. I rather Kevin Hart probably wanted to be plastered for for his 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 shows, not not drama. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, yeah. just, there's just a lot of moving pieces there, but she definitely is not the victim that she is portraying to be. These are her choices, and be okay with what you choose. Yep. Ain't nothing worse than a woman scorned, boy. Yeah. And I think Kevin Hart recognized that. So there was nothing he was going to be able to Yeah, look, you cannot attach your brand to this. And as this, we can argue, we can say these people are wrong. But at the same time, who's to say you people that get up and go to a job every day are part of systems that they don't like? Are you just going up and quit? Come on, let's let's let's. Let's be very realistic about this. Everybody who who feels that this person was wrong, that's his that's his job. He he exactly. made a decision of how he wanted to grow in his field. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> On some level, we all play the game. We do. We all play the game, and even when you start your own business, there are certain things that you have to do in order to maneuver. And playing the game because you can't survive on an island by yourself. You need certain infrastructures. You Mm -hmm. need the city to give you a certificate of use. You need the city to give you uh, certain things that legitimize your business. You need other people. There's no time when you'll be able to do something and not have to need someone else, even when you're running your own business. Yeah, absolutely. So... Let's close this by talking about how do we build good relationships with our children? How does a parent uh, mend a broken relationship with their adult child? And the first thing I want to say is that you got to approach the situation with love. Mm -hmm. Love needs to be um, at the foundation. It needs to be the overlay. It needs to be emphasized. You have to do this with love. You got to be caring. You can't be nasty. You can't be disrespectful. You can't, you know, you can't use profanity. You can't engage in arguments. You got to be the bigger person. Even if your child is trying to bring you down and pull you back into uh, those muddy waters, into that mud, you cannot allow it. You have to go high when they're going low, as Michelle Obama would say. You have to stay above. You have to stay high and above all of the mess. You cannot allow yourself to be dragged down into it. And children can be scorned as well. They can be angry. They can be upset about things that have happened. And they may be telling the truth. Mm -hmm. So you have to also acknowledge your contribution. Mm -hmm. You have to acknowledge it. You acknowledge it, but you acknowledge it, but not by making excuses. So Monique is saying, I wasn't ready to have a child. So screw it. You know, mm-hmm. forgive me. I wasn't ready to have a child. So mm-hmm. there, everything should go away. It's mm-hmm. not his fault that you didn't recognize you weren't ready to have a child, but had a child anyway. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you recognize you weren't ready to have a child, you still didn't make it right. There are things you can still do to make it right. The other thing is you have to recognize that your child is an adult. So her son is an adult now. It's almost like in her video, she's minimizing his concerns as if he's still a kid. Mm -hmm. 
And even when our children, our kids, when they're not 18, when they're 11, 12, and, you know, five, six, seven, whatever, when they have a concern about us, we have to listen to them. We shouldn't shut them down and say, you're just a kid, you don't matter. Because that becomes entrenched in the way they think, how they feel, how they respond, how they interact. You can't just shut them down. That's the old way of doing it. It's because I said so, that's why. You know, you would hear that a lot. And and I think you hear that a lot from parents who are ignorant, don't know any better, don't do a good job in explaining, are not good communicators. So it's easy for them to just say, because I said so, that's why. And you don't want to do that to children. You want to teach them to communicate. You want to teach them to, to be able to accept responsibility, to accept the position they're in as a child with a parent. But you teach that by explaining things. And eventually they learn, okay, it's, it's my mother. This is why she's saying, no, there's a reason for this. They eventually learn that, but they don't learn it if from the beginning you're shutting them down completely. There also needs to be respect. It has to be reciprocated. Children need to know that their opinions, their feelings, and their rights matter. And respect starts with good communication. When we truly listen to our children and we let them know that they're being heard, you're showing them respect. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. I know people will say, it's just a kid. You don't have to talk to them. You don't have to explain nothing. You don't have to respect them. Shoot, they should respect you. But guess what? You got to give respect to earn respect. There's reciprocity in that. Say that again, coach. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. And there's then there's other little things you can do, like making traditions together, creating things that you do together. If your communication sucks, work on it. Focus on listening and understanding. Don't just listen to respond back. Some people listen because they want to get a response together. No, listen to understand. Try to do things together. And when all of this is failing, get support. Go and see a mental health professional a marriage and family therapist, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, someone who specializes in the family unit. There are things we can do to reset, start over, and reclaim our relationships. It's very possible. And I, I commented somewhere on that, that they need to just start over. Mm-hmm. They should just start over. That's good. Just start from the beginning and don't bring up the old stuff. That is the best way to try to reclaim a relationship because sometimes it just gets so complicated mm-hmm. with all the layers. It's just too difficult to get through the layers, man. Who said this? Who did that? And why they did it? And who's responsible? You'll never get through it all. You'll just be a, a prisoner in a cell of misunderstood memories. And that's all it is. Because we'll never recall anything the way it really was. Mm. That's true. 
I um I heard somebody say this before and I, I I try to really apply this to my life that says uh an apology has changed behavior. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, while she keeps saying she was, you know, she wasn't ready or whatever, and you know, keeps just reflecting back to why she wasn't a good mother. Um and maybe she has apologized, maybe maybe she hasn't, has not, but have not, but an apology is change behavior, and and mm-hmm. and it does it does it really does feel like he has healed. You know, he's talked openly about him going him going to therapy, um, and he probably just. I mean, who does not really want a relationship with their with their parents? You know, it's very telling with the child to when they when they're to the point now where they can make a decision where they have a, a relationship with their parent and they choose not to like that's very telling because this is the same person who has uh nurtured and and loved them and cared for them when they needed it and now when you're an adult you just have no no desire to you have to really look look back and check yourself as a parent as to as to what you did and how you can move on from that and start over start over yeah yep and um and forgive him forgiveness is one of the biggest things we can do when i say scrap it and start over forgiveness is a part of that how can the lord forgive you if you're not willing to forgive others Mm-hmm. And as much as, let's say, someone wronged you, vengeance is not ours, it's the Lord's. And so for someone who has a child and that child is struggling to be, um, you know, a member of society or struggling to make good decisions if they're in and out of jail, eventually pray for them, they will find their way or they keep making bad decisions, you don't have to completely cut them off. You can let it be known to them that you disagree with their lifestyle, but you don't have to completely cut them off. And that's what I mean by we should never cut off communication with our children, with our seeds, because you can still have some form of communication with them so they know that you love them. Do you know how damning it is to a kid to know that their own parent or father does not want to talk to them. That's very damning, very damning. And why a parent would want to do that to their child, I I still don't understand it. And I know it's because there's something in that parent that needs to be fixed, that needs to be repaired, that needs to be loved. All right. You want to add anything else, coach, before we get out of here? Um, you know, I listen to you talking. I want to just, I want to, it reminds me of my grandmother. And I just want to share this story. My grandmother, who was such a big, big part of who I am and, and probably why I, I am in, in the field of helping, helping because I watched her over the years, just love people. I had a couple of, um, family members, her, her two of her sons were, were addicts and, were really, really bad. Back in those days, you know, where crack had just become very popular. It was really bad. They stole from her. And, you know, my grandmother was the the one who everybody was at our house because she just loved you. She fed you. She cared for you. Um, when she passed away, her her 
her her home going was so crowded. People there was it was standing room only. They were coming from everywhere because she was so beloved. And um, for her her sons, I watched her not give up on them. Um, my granddaddy did. My granddaddy got upset with one of them. So I saw two two different um, aspects. I watched my granddaddy cut one off and say, "You're dead to me," and I watched my grandmother say, "I'm never giving up on him." And she would pray for him. Some days she would bring him in church high as a high as a kite. He probably didn't know anything that was going on in in in, in service. And eventually uh, he did the work and he got cleaned. He is an amazing person now. He's very successful. He has a, a, a very uh, successful radio show and he is doing great, great things. But I did watch love and forgiveness conquer all. And so I know it works. It, it may not work as fast as we want to at times, but I've seen it in action. And so it works. You just have to have have to have the patience. You have to have the love and you have to have want it to work. And so it does. So what you're saying is absolutely true. And it just reminded me that I wanted to share that story. And I'm going to allow that to be the last word for tonight's episode. Thank you for sharing that because it emphasizes well how we have to continue to love our own. We got to continue to love our babies and not give up on them. Not giving up on a person says so much to that child. I bet you if you were to ask your, I guess that would be your cousin, right? Or your uncle, I should say. Mm -hmm. Your uncle. If you asked him that, he would tell you that just the belief that his mother had in him is what what helped to save him mm-hmm. that and her prayers absolutely. absolutely all right we're gonna get out of here say brain love brain love i love brain love <laughs> <laughs>